perfect. So uh, thank you so much for uh, actually joining me on Zoom, guys. Um, I want you just to introduce yourselves, the, the both of you, and just kind of give me just a quick uh, background story of who you guys are and uh, what you guys do. Okay. Steve, why don't you go first? Um, okay, I guess I'll go first. Uh, my name is Steven Sanders, and I am, how can I describe myself? Um, on my LinkedIn profile, it says creative technologist, but I am uh, CEO, founder of Binga Entertainment. Um, we are focused on a uh, retail and toy tech company, so we're in that space. And in my day job, I work in Richmond, so I won't go into that too much, but yeah, that's about it. <laughs> so. And my name is Deldrete Sanders. I currently work um, as an HR assistant, but I'm also a grad student and I focus mostly on leadership development, organization development, and just building capacity to build high performing teams that can meet tomorrow's challenges. And that's really hard when you don't know what tomorrow's challenges are gonna be. And this whole COVID situation, it's case in point. 100%, especially with everything going on right now, there's massive layoffs now, there's teams that are working remotely. I mean, like how is that kind of kind of change for high effective teams? Like, is it better for people to be physically in the office as opposed to just working virtually? Like, what do you guys kind of think of this uh, whole virtual, you know, working together now? Uh, I'll let Dow go first with that one. It, I think it really depends on your personality. For some people, working from home is a dream. They're able to manage their time effectively. And they're also able to take care of their personal well-being while doing it so they don't burn out. Because working from home, you run the risk of not being able to separate work from home life. I don't actually believe in work-life balance. I think it's a myth. Oh, okay. And really, we're in this constant state of juggling. And it's, you know, when we get into the rhythm of juggling efficiently, that's what we label as balance. But really, it's not balance. It's we've learned to adapt. So balance doesn't exist anymore, does it? No. And I think people are are learning that now. And it, it really speaks to the necessity to have really strong leaders guiding those teams and saying, you know what, we acknowledge that this is an unprecedented time. Maybe we're not going to get a hundred percent of what we need, but yeah. we're going to get most of it done. And you're going to remember to take time for yourself, get up, go for a five minute walk around your neighborhood. Make sure you, you know, you take care of yourself. Yeah, I mean, hopefully uh, we don't lose the importance of exercise and just taking care of yourselves because nowadays if you work from home, you could technically work longer if you want to. Like your, yeah. your office is literally two minutes from, from where you sleep. Your kitchen's <laughs> like a minute from where you sleep, right? And that's the thing. I mean, I know I've noticed it personally. You know, we have three adults working from home and we're working longer hours because you don't realize that at work you – Remember to take that 10, 15 minute break. You remember to take your lunch hour. You remember to take your afternoon coffee break. You don't always remember to do that at home because you don't have that interaction. And one way that teams can really foster that office kind of coffee vibe, mm -hmm. 
schedule a Zoom coffee date with your coworkers and just say, you know what, no talking, talking about COVID or anything. Let's just veg out, enjoy a cup of coffee together. Veg and, out. Yeah, okay. Um, I was going to say shoot the shit, but I wasn't really sure about the audience. Fuck it, man. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Stephen? Like, what, what do you think of this whole, you know, uh, working remotely thing? To be honest with you, I think um, before the whole COVID stuff, like it was, it was almost like a bleeding of office into your your home life anyway. So, I, mean, I, I follow I follow in line with what Dow said. It's it's kind of a myth to a certain extent, because even when you go into some of these offices, I mean, they try to make it feel like home. <laughs> you know, you have, you know, foosball tables. I don't know if people still have those, but uh, you have people serving beer, <laughs> oh, hell you have yeah. video games, you have all this <laughs> stuff. So it's, it's stuff to keep you almost at work <laughs> instead of going home. Home is just a place where you keep stuff, you store stuff, and then, you know, work is your home to a certain extent, especially when you have like all these big companies and they do all these things for their employees as free meals, it's all this other stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's no separation. And I think we do need that separation. Yeah, stuff. it's weird because then you brought that up, you know, where you have video games, you have, you know, couches, you got slides and shit like Google, like Google Academy, Google HQ yeah. down in the Valley has all that stuff. So do you think that kind of plays a role into creating these reason. effective teams? Sorry, go ahead. There's a reason they have all that stuff. There's a reason they have all that stuff. Think about yeah, the demands placed on those employees. Think about how much time they spend on those campuses. Nike is the same. Google is no different, obviously. That was your example. Um, Apple is pretty much the same. The reason that they have all that stuff there for employees is because they recognize, they expect a lot out of their employees. I mean, even if you want to bring it close to home, I'm, it's happening in the public sector. I mean, RCMP headquarters, they have like a gym, they offer yoga classes for their, their members. And that is super innovative. And it's, you know, it recognizes that they expect a lot out of their employees, that they take a lot from their employees they have to give them a little something back. Okay, okay. So essentially these things, these amenities, are kind of just user to really just incentivize the workers to work harder and longer? Kind it's, of. Yeah. If you really ways. think about it. Oh, damn. I mean. Think about it this way, yeah. Joe. Okay. Think about it this way. Yeah. Instead of enjoying your lunch that you make at home and you spend an hour preparing for whatever meal prep you do through the week. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to cater your lunches. So you don't have to do that, but you're going to have to work an extra hour here every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or even um, when, when we look at vacation, right? Like uh, some of these companies like, Oh, take vacation when you want to take vacation is never okay. You know, you're going to get two weeks allotment. It's going to, it's, it's this thing of take vacation whenever you want, you know, just come back. But people really take advantage of that because you know, you seem like you're taking advantage or you're scamming the system. So even though we, you know, these newer companies have it set up to where it's flexible, you know, now it's kind of, 
do I really want to go on vacation? Do I really want to let my team down? So it's just some things to think about. I think it's a cool idea, but I think the way that we we're made, we're implementing some of these things is not maybe the best strategy. I don't know. I always, I've worked for, you know, smaller companies and stuff. And plus I'm, I'm, I come from a working class background, so I don't think I'm West coast fancy. I'm from the Midwest. So, so, so is there like a different, okay. So we can talk about like East versus West coast uh, mindset, (laughs) but I want to talk about just, just that though. I mean, so it's like, the unlimited vacation, because I read somewhere as well and kind of came with the same conclusion that employees rarely take vacation if they're offered the unlimited vacation package. So yeah. do you think that for both of you, do you think there's going to be a point where there's there going to be such thing as, you know, there's no such thing as eight hour days or 10 hour days. You can kind of come in whenever you want, want to work whenever you want. You they think already that's just, have it. Oh, yeah. They already have it. You know, a lot of businesses say these are your core hours. We don't care if you start at 4 a.m. and you leave at whatever time, but as long as you're here from 8 to 12 for the team meeting and whatever else there is, however you get your eight hours is up to you. Okay, so like, what, which companies are doing stuff like that, though? Is it just like tech companies or a lot of startup companies, Series A, E? It's mostly startups. Yeah. Yeah, mostly startups. I have, I've worked with a couple of startups because I did mention earlier in my intro, I am a grad student and I do organizational research to figure out what makes a high performing team, a high performing team. Mm -hmm. And I take a data driven approach to that. So lots of interviews and surveys and focus groups to kind of just figure out what it is. Okay. And in these companies, I've noticed, A, people don't really want to take their vacations, and B, people are really self-conscious about what their coworkers think of them. Okay. So if, if I take my vacation from, let's say, all of December to mid-January, because I have six, six weeks, I'm just going to take it all at once. Mm-hmm. there's that fear that you're going to be judged. Okay. That fear, okay, that fear they're going to get judged, but is there going to be like a fear where someone just doesn't give a fuck and just takes as many vacations as they want? Or is that just like on a very rare occasion? That that I happen? think I, and Steve, you can totally interrupt me if you think that I'm wrong, but I honestly later and finish later, okay. it's up to them. Okay, interesting. So why why eight to two? Like like is there like studies showing that maybe employees work best for five hours a day, and this is why they have those hours? To be honest with you, I actually think it has more to do with um, the fact that they work with companies and clients in different time zones. Oh, <laughs> okay, interesting. Okay, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, like. I think I think I read a study somewhere or I read an article somewhere where employees are really only productive for about five hours of the day. <laughs> it's quite true. Yeah. It is quite true. We are not meant to sit at a computer for more than five hours a day. We're not our best selves. We don't produce the best work. And quite frankly, our employers don't receive the best results. 
Think about so, all yeah, those but, times when you pulled an all-nighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Good old university. Yeah. 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 It was not fun. I mean, my work was pretty bad. I just kind of did it to get it done. Kind of procrastinating to like the last day or two. Even though you had four months to do something. Of course. <laughs> you can just lay it off or like whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it isn't my best work. I mean, because like that continuous amount of work, it just, I don't care. Like there's a level where you just lose concentration and you just need, a, you need a, like a time to recharge, I guess. The law of diminishing returns. Ooh, economics. Yeah. Law of diminishing marginal returns. Ah, oh, bringing back some school. But yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> bringing back some school, man. Yeah. And I want to talk about that too is because like in school, especially when I, because I did a, um, a lot of business courses, a lot of the time we had to work in groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and most times, nine times out of 10, I hated it just because, uh, yeah, it's because like, I just, I don't like working groups. Sometimes the, you know, the work ethic wasn't displayed properly. Sometimes someone else would do an entire section of the, of the project only to realize that's been changed by someone else without you knowing. So yeah. I was, yes, I was wondering like, um, in terms of that though, of the younger people trying to get into group work, like what do you, what advice do you have for them? Ooh. That's a good question. Um, I, I don't know for, for me, um, I guess because I come from a creative background, I went to film school, I, you know, did animation and stuff. So for me, you, when you think about it in that terms, you have to make sure that everybody's on the same page and you have to communicate early about what the expectations are, because I think that's, um, that's when people start to, fail in the beginning when you don't communicate, when you don't lay it out and say, I'm good at this, or I'm good at that. Uh, this is what I can do. This is what I can add to the team. So I think if everybody has, you know, they put their skills and they put their expertise on the table and up front and they state what they can do and what they can bring to a project, um, hopefully you can move forward and you can kind of, you know, assign the right duties to people or the right task and you know and also you have to state those goals of what you're trying to hit that's the that's the number one thing i think because i'm even even when like right now i'm having like problems because everybody's worried about you know what the the next step is right you know how are we going to get through you know this whole process you know especially in the throngs of i was i'm in the middle of trying to get the startup off the ground and you know you know, some of the team is worried about, okay, what's, what's the next step? What can we do? We can't really have a retail space. We can't really do too many things. So trying to figure out creative ways of uh, um, bringing stuff to, you know, the masses or, you know, trying to you know, build a community around what we're doing. That's, that's the difficult thing right now. So if, I think if this, it just goes back to knowing who your team, your, your team members are. So. I don't know, Dow can probably clear that up a little bit, so. <laughs> you want me to be academic? Okay. Yeah, in you can be of, academic. <laughs> in, in terms of, you know, you know, going through the life cycle of what a group is, if, if you're like a group for maybe five, 10 days, you still need to spend time in the initial early day or so, and if, you're a work group and you're a team, you need to spend weeks on this. Yeah. Just creating a psychologically safe environment. And what that means is, you know, you spend time talking about what everyone expects, laying out what the, the norms for the group are. 
Is it okay to have your cell phone on? Mm -hmm. Is it okay to talk over someone else? Is it okay to turn your work in late? Mm -hmm. Is it okay to call someone out? And actually, I'm a huge fan of constructive conflict. It should always be okay to call someone out as long as there is a reason behind it. Okay. So do you think this, like, this whole inability to communicate kind of results in team inefficiencies then? Because it seems like a lot of this stuff comes down to just basic levels of communication between members. There are two core competencies you need to master in order to be a good team player yep. and a good team leader. Okay. Emotional intelligence and communication. You need mm. to know when to talk and you need to win know when to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, you're supposed to put it in an academic term. You're supposed to say listen, not just shut up. Shut up is kind of <laughs> But it's true. <laughs> it's true. You need to you need to understand when the right time is to talk and ask questions, but you also need to know when to listen. And I don't mean passive listening, I mean active listening when you're, you're still asking questions, but you're asking questions to learn, not asking questions to judge. Okay. Okay, now do you find that a lot of people just ask questions to judge and kind of just one up the other person just so they can prove a point? Is that kind of what's going on nowadays with a lot of like forming teams, especially a lot of young people trying to prove something or is it just maybe they lack that skill to really just actively listen? I think that we're so focused on using social media and our phones that we forget what it's like to interact with another person oh live. My oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And without those, those fundamental skills, it makes it really hard to function in that kind of environment. So you know what, if you're that kind of person, go ahead, work remotely. You, you won't have a problem. But if you need to work in an environment where you talk to your coworkers, where you bounce ideas off each other, where you problem solve together, you need to know how to listen and to communicate effectively. 100%. Yeah. I mean, communication is key. Like when I'm doing this podcast, I usually, I usually do it in person to person. So this, yeah. is, this is also kind of new to me too. So where I can just kind of judge the body language, their kind of tone of voice and how they interact. And it's crazy how many people, how many, how little people I see that can talk for an hour without looking at their phones. It's I'm actually sitting on my phone. No joke. I'm terrified <laughs> that Whoa. even on, even on silence, something's going to happen and it's going to make a noise. Well, before I join the call, since I have bad reception in my office, um, the phone is like in another room and I was zoning out, listening to music, doing artwork before I joined the call. So I, I, I can't use my phone in the office. So this is a win-win for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Oh, okay. So it's about, we have about 15 minutes left. I want to kind of switch topics to East coast versus West coast mentality for a second. So uh -oh. yeah. <laughs> West coast, best coast. <laughs> so you said you grew up in the Midwest. So uh, where is it? Was that exactly? Okay, so I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, so I am American, <laughs> and, <laughs> right. but my parents are from the South, so you might hear a little bit of a Southern twang in my voice. So for me, I have those, I have those two sensibilities and stuff, because 
I spent a lot of summers in Columbus, Georgia. And for me, um, coming here, it was, well, first we moved to California because I was trying to pursue my career in uh, film and television there. But when we had to move here, it was a little bit different, especially uh, being on Canada's West Coast is kind of, is really laid back. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, go ahead. I was about to say, it's just something I'm like, I'm, I'm not used to. I'm used to always going, going, grinding, grinding. And it's like here is pretty um, smooth this fast, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, so. it's weird because apparently this is the same thing in Toronto's East Coast as well, where everyone just keeps moving in Toronto. Um, yeah. So is that, is that kind of what you find, the, the biggest difference between people on the West Coast versus the East Coast? Just, the, just like the work, the, the mentality of working or like what's the biggest difference? Mentality of working, uh, mentality of um, they think that Vancouver oh, is the, the hippest place to be. <laughs> but for me, I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's not fast enough. I'm used to being up, being out all night because I went to school in Chicago too. So it's, you know, for okay. me, I'm like, I, 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 I'm, I'm always, I used to be always in the thick of things. But, you know, the mentality here is definitely more laid back. I have gotten used to it. And then I hate to say it, um, I might get some flack. People are a little bit, people are a little bit flaky here. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm, it's, I hate to rag on people here. I do. I do love the people that I have come in contact with here and, and build uh, genuine relationships with, but it's some flakiness going on here. And I'm like, I'm, I'm come from the background of you do what you you, you do what you you say and, and you mean what you say, kind of. Hopefully that all makes sense. But, yeah, like that's what I kind of I, I kind of adhere to. Like I, I try to put my words to action and stuff, and it seemed like a lot of people just talk. <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of talk, but you don't want to follow through. Yeah. I think it's because we have it so good here, man. Honestly, like the weather, oh, yeah, we do. have access to nature. <laughs> like. And healthcare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> especially right now, guys. Oh, my goodness. Like, especially, especially I know Chicago got, got hit hard with the coronavirus in, uh, yes. in uh, New York as well. Like, yeah. Chicago, New York, Louisiana, Detroit. Fuck. Yeah. So, yeah, healthcare is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know. It's because it's funny, too. When I first moved here and, and then Trump, you know, was, took office and everybody's like, aren't you lucky to be here? I'm like, I don't think it's luck. I mean, racism travels. Racism is not like a barrier formed around Canada. <laughs> and I was mm -hmm. like, we're not going to let racism in. It's just kind of, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like these people like always meet these people and it's just kind of like, they always bring that up. They, sometimes they dance around it or sometimes they just go straight forward and stuff or it's, a lot of political talk when I meet people here. So, I mean, a lot of, what do you mean a lot of political talk when you meet people here? Like, oh, cause all right. Cause I, I met this one guy, I won't mention any names, but like people would say, Oh yeah, those, you know, I, like, I would say I'm from Detroit and they'd be like, Oh yeah, those Democrats really messed up Detroit. I'm like, man, you've been in Canada all your life. How you know? <laughs> <laughs> like God lived there. <laughs> like, what do you, I grew up I, there. Like it, it was just, it's just kind of funny, like the way the people that you you meet here and you come in contact with, or I, I or this guy, because I remember I, I, when I first arrived here, I couldn't really work, so I was just taking um, kind of classes at Emily Carter, kind of past the time, and I met this 
dude from Iraq and we started talking about it. and we told each other where we're from and then he was like man you're from Detroit that's a rough place like, yeah. you're from Iraq <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> but that's that's kind of a perfect example of what I mentioned earlier we rely too much on our past experiences or our memories or what we think to be true rather than stopping and actually, you know, engaging in some higher level thinking and not relying on heuristics or mental shortcuts to say, okay, if A is true and that equals Z, then I just need to subtract A from both sides and I have B for sure. Life isn't like that. Math is definitely like that, but yeah. life is, there are tons of shades of gray in between and, and saying, okay, you're from Detroit, then yeah. automatically, you know, you grew up in a rough area or you, you know what rough is, which after living there for, for a few years, I know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a very divided city. And there are definitely two worlds. There are two Detroits. It's funny because uh, one of my coworkers uh, just took a vacation to Detroit, and apparently, one of the um, I think uh, customs uh, officers asked if she wanted to get shot in, <laughs> by going to Detroit. Oh gosh! Wow. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Are you looking to get shot?" And she's like, "What? Like, no, I'm just here to visit my girlfriend." And yeah, this whole thing because I think we. We're designed by, by, you know, I think biologically to take mental shortcuts because we do honestly stereotype a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, even, um, I don't know, like even being here, like luckily I, I would say, you know, living in Chicago kind of definitely um, gave me a good perspective on diversity and inclusion and stuff and having, you know, classmates who are gay or having, you know, classmates who came from different Asian countries from Asia and everything. I have one of my good friends, he's from Korea and stuff. So um, being able to experience that because Detroit is, you know, it is a pretty segregated places. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, white suburbs, you have Arabs and Dearborn uh, black people and, in the core of the city. So it, it kind of, you know, it's like ships passing in the night, right? You don't notice each other sometimes. And, but Chicago definitely um, opened me up to a lot of different experiences and coming here and coming and being a different person, being a different person and having a good perspective and, and being able to embrace a lot of different people. I, I, you know, that's, I, I do enjoy uh, being here for sure. Um, it is a special place. Besides the flakiness, it is a, a good place. <laughs> to be. I, I do, like I said, I, like it's it's a lot of opportunity, I think, to grow, whether it's the tech scene or other scenes and stuff. So mm -hmm. I, I just think we have to, Vancouver metro area has to put its best foot forward. That's the only thing. Yeah, you know, I think Vancouver just has a lot of, you know, natural and uh, natural things going for it. Like, you know, you got nature, you can drive 20 minutes, you can have access to the mountain and the weather. The weather's big. So from what I hear, apparently a lot of people from Toronto move over here because they, they hate the winter. Yes, <laughs> that's like because that's one thing we share with Toronto, Detroit does um, and even Chicago. Like, oh, by the way, guys, I, quick interruption. So the 40 minute cap has been removed. So that's pretty good. So we can okay. kind of just talk for however we want. 
okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, I gotta hurry up. Uh, <laughs> no, take your time. Take your time, guys. No, but no, like uh, what I was about to say. Um, I, I think uh, that the weather, like what maybe really changed my mind too. I was driving home one night while I was in Detroit and I did a 360 spin in my car and it was like winter and dead of winter. I'm like, I can't stand it. I, I was like, I yelled. I was like, I can't stand being here. I got to get out of here. <laughs> it was, I, I was struggling. I was like, oh man, we got to go. And I, I, when I went home and I told Dal and I was like, no, we have to move. I was like, I cannot take winter here. Like I grew up in winter and everything and learning how to drive and snow and all that. But I'm like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I need to experience <laughs> a different climate. So but yeah, it's, I, I don't miss it. <laughs> so do you guys think like uh, maybe the weather might contribute to a lot of, you know, the West Coast chillness that comes with it? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah? There are studies that show people suffer from SAD, seasonal affective disorder, I think is what it stands for. Oh, so seasonal, seasonal depression? Yeah, seasonal depression. And the worse the weather gets, the worse SAD is. So you look at uh, places like, uh, Detroit, Chicago, Montreal, Toronto, Halifax, just everyone on the, the East Coast where they have harsher winters, you do a survey of their mood and rates of depression and you will find them a lot higher. Mm-hmm. So it's like why, the, like, why the fuck do so many people live in those areas? Like, why is Toronto <laughs> such a highly dense area? Like, like why is like, Chi-Town like, such a highly dense area? I mean, it's, it's so much happening. I mean, it's so much culture, so much history, um, so much, it's, it's so many things to do. That's the only thing I, I think Vancouver kind of lacks is that, that real, I don't know, that real gritty nightlife. That's what I miss in Chicago. Like, you know, being a student there is, is totally different, you know, than working there. But I remember, you know, coming home late at night, like three, 34 in the morning and I'm on the L train trying to, you know, stand up straight so I don't get mugged. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's just something like, it's just something I miss, but I still love the city. I still like miss it. You know, the taste of Chicago, all that, that million dollar beam and millennial park, I, you know, it's, it, I don't know. I, I wish like, I mean, I know we have St- Stanley park here is Lionsgate bridge and all that, but and of course the mountains, but like I used to tell people, I'm not Gandalf, so I don't really care about the mountains. Um, I, don't, I don't need to deliver no ring. So I'm, 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 I like to, I'm, I like to party, you know, growing up in the city. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's what I've heard is apparently it's like a lot, there's a lot more parties uh, down by the East coast or where it's where it's like colder than it is here. Yeah. For sure. It's, and then like, the, you know, so many different clubs and clubs open, you know, stay late there, stay open late there. So it's, it's, it's just different. And then the, you know, you have two L train uh, lines that run 24 hours, the blue line and the red line. I mean, now it's probably a little bit different, but um, yeah, it's, it's just something that I wish that we had here, you know, but I know stuff kind of shuts down. So yeah, I mean, shuts down, stuff shuts down pretty early, like 120, 130. Yeah. 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 But, you know, and, and, and anyways, and yeah, so I guess to kind of steer topic, so you're, Dal, you're also from Surrey, right? By any chance? Yes. 
Yeah. So just a curiosity here, like, do you, like in terms of, um, do you notice like the the Surrey teens here in terms of their attitude towards certain things? Like, there is obviously like this uh, connotation where there's more crimes in Surrey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm being a, yeah. I know you're being serious. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's kind of a loaded question yeah. I grew up you know my entire family seems to be involved in some way shape or form in law enforcement or mm -hmm. the legal system so for me it's always been I've been hyper aware of you know you don't go to this area or you don't go there or you stay out of this neighborhood because you know that's where there's a lot of gang violence or you know they're the druggies hang out over there and it's not safe there for anyone yeah. after p.m mm -hmm. so to answer your question yes but i also think that surrey gets a bad rap because we focus on surrey hmm. okay there are pockets of crime everywhere you go you can't get away from it it really it just depends on your perspective. What are you willing to put up with? Yeah, because it's, it's weird because uh, we talk about pockets and crime, but like every time I turn on global TV, there's something going on in Surrey. Oh, and, <laughs> and for sure. And I think the housing market probably has a lot to do with it because people have left Vancouver because in the 90s, yeah. crime was in, in Vancouver. It wasn't in, concentrated in Vancouver. Okay. But as urban, urban sprawl happens, people move out. Crime okay. also moves out. And, okay. you know, the less people can afford to live in Vancouver, they will take their, their crime and their, their families and their business and move it somewhere they can afford. Okay, okay. So essentially a lot of it has to do with like lower income families moving out, out of Vancouver into Surrey? I wouldn't say lower income. No, okay. I wouldn't necessarily say lower income because I think that's subjective. Okay, okay, okay. People hide their money very well and appear low income. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah, it's interesting because I um I used to work with I used to work with a guy named Cal Tosange. Um, we used to um do this cha uh, do this uh, big philanthropic program or this charity program, where um right. we we'd give a lot of um, scholarships to high school students. So okay. there's a lot of youth coming out, but what he was talking about as well, cause he used to, I think he's part of the, um, uh, the city police force uh, where he um, focused a lot on youth, a lot of, you know, youth gang prevention. Um, so I guess growing up in there, do you think like a lot of the gang violence comes from a lot of youth, like specifically high schoolers or? I think that's when people are indoctrinated. Okay. In high school, that's when they, they see the lure of, you know, supposedly easy money, um, brotherhood or sister, you know, sisterhood. And there are lots of factors that play into that, lots of socioeconomic factors. And I think that that definitely is a lure, especially if you don't have parents at home to watch you and siblings at home to keep you on this, you know, quote unquote, straight and narrow. I think that it's very easy to say that kind of lifestyle is appealing and getting mm. out once you're in is very difficult. Okay. It sometimes can be, you know, as difficult as you're going to die if you try and leave. 
Mm-hmm. So they kind of have no choice. So they're kind of indoctrinated when they're young where they kind of don't know a lot. But, you know, it's based on quick money. But then now they want to get out. Like if they want to get out, they can't really do that either. So, so they're kind of trapped, right? Yeah. Is that the same in the States as well? Or is it different there too? I mean, well, it's, it's so much history, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the States, like, and that's why, to be honest with you, like when people, when I tell people I live in Syria and I hear a little bit of blowback, I, I kind of defend it because for me, Syria kind of reminds me of Detroit in some ways where mm-hmm. it, it does get that bad rap. And in the, but in the States, I mean, you have economics, you have class, you have racism, you have all these things that haven't been addressed historically and all these things that haven't been confronted for one reason or another, and that mixture of, you know, lack of economics and, and, and poverty and all this other stuff, and the lack the the, the, the lack of quality to the lack of quality education is another thing too. So, I mean, when you don't have that, I mean, it's just a mixture of, you know, of course people are going to go down that wrong path. If I don't see, if I have a job that's going to pay me seven twenty five an hour. Yeah, and no benefits, and you know, my mom's poor. We're struggling, and all this and that. Of course, you know, that option to do something illegal is there. It's gonna, it's going to, you know, drive people. Some people don't fall into that trap yet, and some people do make it out. Mm-hmm. But like to quote Biggie Smalls, and I don't know if you'll get a a tech founder quoting Biggie Smalls, but either you have, uh, you know. You sling crack rock or you have a wicked jump shot, right? So it's, <laughs> I mean, it's that, it's that type of mentality and it's still there in some ways, right? But it's, it's like, we do have to, you know, especially in the States, I can only speak about the States in some ways, like we have to make sure that, you know, tax dollars are being equally distributed to, you know, not only city schools, but, you know, suburban schools, rural areas as well. So people don't fall into that trap. People don't fall into, you know, the illegal economy, right? So that's the, that's the thing that we, that's the battle that we have to fight there in the States. But okay, yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's a long, like deep subject for me. Cause I, cause I get into people about, you know, get into that with people here too, is where it's like, you know, it's a, it's almost like a judgment thing. It's never, you know, it's, it's always about, oh, people need to make better life choices, but it's never about, well, what are the choices that are, that are out there for them? What are the, 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 the safety nets have been cut and been taken away? So, I mean, of course, you know, if, if I can, if I have a skill, like I'm an athlete, right. Or I'm, I have this, this ability to go play ball and I can maybe make something of myself in the sports area or sports economy. Of course, people are going to fall into that or if I can do A, B and C, I can get that quick money or I can build myself up. People want to do that. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's just something to think about. Yeah. Then you get, I think far, far and few between you got success stories. Like you got Stephen A. Smith, a commentator on ESPN who quote unquote made it out of the gutter and now he makes $8 million a year commenting on basketball. Yeah, and regrettably, I, MMA. And yeah, go it <laughs> goes back to what we were talking about, stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how easy it is to make those judgments. Yeah, it is. Because we're, like, that's, we're exactly what, that's exactly what we're doing right now when we're talking, right? We're yeah. talking about 
how easy it is to say, well, why didn't that person do what this person did? Yeah. They made it yeah. out. Mm-hmm. I guess every situation is different, but we do, like, it's just mentally harder for us to think of that way. Like, for example, like I'm half Filipino, yet I should like basketball. In reality, I actually do like <laughs> basketball. So I fit into the stereotype. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it, it's just easier that way to just kind of classify a group of people and just say, hey, this, these people like this stuff. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. for sure. It, it's, I mean, I, I think if we just kind of take or approach people as individuals and not stereotypes, that's the thing that we have to make sure um, we always remember when we, when we encounter or we talk to other people from different backgrounds or people who don't look like us. And I think we have to seek out people that don't look like us. We have to be willing to, you know, get to know people that are not from our background. That's another thing too, I notice. Um, especially when you go to certain events, it's like, <laughs> it's, if people do click up with, you know, hey, this guy looks like me, I'm going to talk to this guy <laughs> and I'm going to latch on to that guy. But, you know, I think we'll all benefit from talking to each other and, and definitely we'll learn a lot. So mm-hmm. I always, I always keep that in mind for sure. For sure. And just to play devil's advocate, I think like stereotypes, there's a reason why they exist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. There is a reason why they exist. It's because uh, like I said, devil's advocate, because the majority of the stuff we associate with certain, you know, ethnicity, races, cities, whatever it is, most, some of it, if not most of it, is true. And that's, that's what makes stereotypes so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because it's true 9 out of 10 times doesn't mean that you apply stereotypes 10 out of 10 times. Because there's that 1 out of 10 times you might be wrong. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say this. I never sold drugs. I never, well, I shot guns at a gun range. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's about it. <laughs> that's the... The, the gist of me, uh, of my gangsterish ways, I guess. I don't know. I'm joking, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so can you actually shoot a gun with one hand and can you actually oh, aim it no. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I just> gotta... <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, that is, no, uh, the, the kit back, depending on what type of gun you have, no, the kit back, man. Uh, <laughs> you can you can definitely not I mean maybe some people can I don't know I can only speak for myself but for me I learned how to shoot a little bit better playing first person shooter games so oh, I used to play that a lot when I was younger then when I went to the gun range I was like I surprised my brother and my cousin I'm like well I play Halo a lot or whatever so I mean of course I'm at, my hand-eye coordination is going to be there so <laughs> <laughs> A nerd that can shoot a gun. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's kind of vice versa now because this is what for, this is from my own personal anecdote where I, I see a lot of you know people yeah. from you know my own personal group who want to you know embrace this you know this hard life, but they're actually rich, like this ghetto fabulous life. But what's the point at all? Like you, yeah. you're so well off, and like I said, this is just from my own personal group of friends who who are doing this. Like, you know, they, they, they want to act hard. They want to pick fights with other people, but they've never been hit in the face their entire life. Oh, no. <laughs> but it, it speaks to that whole idea of personal branding and creating an authentic okay. vision of who you are. Yeah. Not everyone has the ability to create an authentic brand. Hmm. And I, I'm labeling it brand, and I'm cringing as I'm doing it because... <laughs> 
that's exactly what we're doing. Okay. In, in this age of social media, everything has to be, you know, in, an Instagram shot. Everything has to be ready to go on TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Oh, yeah, oh. cringe. Oh. It's true, though. Yeah, it is. And, yeah. and it, I think it's a trend to, to be a bit ghetto fabulous, if you want to call it that. Why, though? Like, like, <laughs> but why it's is also that, very offensive. Yeah, but why is that a thing, though? Like, why is it cool to be to think that you're hard, but you're actually just you're actually not? That's a good question. To be honest with you, I think people just lack empathy. Yeah, empathy. I think people lack empathy Hmm. and the Hmm. ability to connect with what people are going through in situations that they have never experienced. Mm hmm. If they if they had empathy, no one would be trying to adopt the quote unquote ghetto fabulous lifestyle when they are stinking rich. Yeah, it just boggles my mind. I know because um, I don't know for I know like a lot of people, you know, back home or you see certain people like they want they do it to show off. They they show it to to, to have something. It's a bravado. It's a you know it's a lot of stuff wrapped up into that. You know it's you know, among the haves and have-nots, even in the have-nots, I have something. And you have to remember that, <laughs> you know, you still don't have what, you know, somebody who, you know, have both parents living at at home and, you know, they their income is above 100000 whatever. And, like, you still don't have a lot. You still don't have that. You don't have that security. You don't have that wealth. So, I mean, the, the closest thing is I'm going to project that wealth. I'm going to project something. But if you have that wealth and I think you're trying to live this so-called ghetto, fabulous lifestyle, I mean, that's not really being too authentic. You're just being like a fraud. <laughs> Some people will kill to be in that position. Like, and, you know, meeting, like, because I, I would never forget when I was going home um, in Chicago one time and these two kids were selling candy. And mind you, this is like, nine o'clock at night. I'm like, this is a school night. What are you out here selling candy? And I'm watching it and I I see the cops approach them and the cops were just like cussing them out and all this stuff. And these kids were probably about 11 years old. So just imagine an 11 year old in the suburb and 11 year old in the inner city of Chicago. And these, I mean, these cops talked to these kids like they were grown ass men. I'm gonna just say it like that. And it was just, for me, it was a shock because, and I'm like, and I'm a college kid. And I was like, okay, I should say something. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I don't need to get my ass whooped. Um, <laughs> but it was just like seeing that. And, and then I would, you know, go out to a suburb or somewhere and you see how a cop interact with a kid in the suburb. And it's just like, man, like, why couldn't the inner city cop talk to these two young black boys who were just selling candy. We don't even know what they're selling candy for. Of course, they use the whole line, you know, I'm trying to, we're trying to raise money for our school basketball team to buy jerseys. I mean, they could, they could have been raising money to buy themselves something to eat. We don't, I don't know. Mm, but yeah. that's just one of those things. Like, I wouldn't, like, I think if you're, like, fronting and doing all that, it's just, like, I can't. I met a lot of people like that, especially in school and out of school. It's just, like, no, no, I can't, I can't rock with you. That's not me. So, yeah, I mean, I don't. It just, yeah, it's just so ridiculous because I think a lot of it comes from they just don't like know the repercussions of violence. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like at least for my own thing, like I tried my best to stay out of any personal, like any you know physical fights because, like I do, I do a bit of MMA on the side. You know, I I've been hit in the face for an hour straight, so I know how it feels to get hit in the face. But, but that's, that's yeah, it. You you hit the nail on the head. You mm -hmm. know what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, you know what it feels like because, like, okay, just a bit about a bit about myself. So I was actually a black belt in taekwondo, before getting to you know kickboxing and MMA and jujitsu. So, in my own mind, I was like, oh, okay, I, I know how to fight, I know how to kick, but the first time I ever got into a ring, I got my ass beat. Like, I was getting hit in the face, I was getting punched in the, in, in, in the nose, I was getting hit in the ribs. It made me realize how easy it was for someone just to beat the shit out of me, honestly. And it, it kind of makes you realize that, like, you know, you, put, you have to put your ego to the side because you don't know what that other person has in terms of a weapon. It could be a knife, it yeah. could be that person you know how to fight. And it only took me like a while to really humble myself. It was super humbling. You know, you come out of there and your nose is kind of like bloodied up. It's broken. And you just kind of realize that there's so much more that you have to learn. And you don't know what that other person has. Definitely. So why the <laughs> fuck would you pick a fight with someone, right? Over some small shit too. Yeah, it's, I don't, that's, yeah, I don't know. That's very interesting. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I remember like, like my first fight was in elementary school and I fought from elementary school to middle school to high school and even outside of high school. And it's like, it's not fun to fight. I'm like, I would never want to like anybody kind of have to fight at all ages. No, and especially if you don't have, I mean, if you don't, is some things are going to be unavoidable, but if you're like, no, it's not fun. <laughs> It is not fun to get punched in the face or to get your to have, to get your ass kicked. It's not. <laughs> I could I could I, I could feel what you're saying because I, I took Taekwondo. My mom was just too cheap to pay for the belts, so I never <laughs> took my <laughs> And I got roped in because my younger cousin like saw uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the movie. Yes. Yeah, and he wanted to take Taekwondo. His dad took it with him and. Didn't want to take it because they were yelling at him. He was like, I'm a grown man. I don't want to be yelled at. And <laughs> I got nominated and I'm 12 years old to go take this. And I'm up here trying to play little league football. And I'm like, so I, I would take Taekwondo and play. I'm like, how did I get roped into this? I mean, it was fun and it was cool, but it's like, no, none of that is fun to get hit in the face and, or to get leg, get your legs kicked up. Out of, up out of oh you. my God. Yeah. I feel yeah. It's not, but fun. It, it helped you understand what it felt like to be kicked in the face oh 100 percent. it helped you understand what it might feel like to be beaten up and have the crap kicked out of you yeah and it forced you to act differently it did it 100 did that really is what what is at the heart of the issue that you just shared about you know your personal core group of friends acting in a a certain manner that you don't agree with, but their connection to that lifestyle is also very limited. What they see on TV and in pop culture. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, this whole thing is just glamorized. It's it is. All, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all bullshit, but it's glamorized. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, well, half of our lives are fucking bullshit if you think about it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Half our lives are spent on social media, and social media is just fucking bullshit. 
Yeah, it is. It's like, and here's here's the thing. Here's the thing I, I want to talk about as well. Now, now that we've kind of brought this up, is the idea of celebrity worship. Mm. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, yeah. Thank God this forty limit forty a minute mark is over because like we we can talk a lot about this. Like, why do people like celeb like celebrate like you know? Oh, why do people like worship celebrities? Aspiration. Like, as- mm-hmm. Aspiration. Yeah. It's it's what they could have if they they were lucky enough or if they had the talent or if they had the skill. Okay. I think that, and two, that's what the part of this whole social media, Instagram, YouTube platform is, right? It's, you know, I I might not have the talent, let's say of some big name Hollywood actor or actress or whatever, or director or whatever. I don't have that ability, but I can, if I can influence, if I can get these followers, if I can get these people to watch my videos or these people to engage in my content in some type of way of fashion, or I can be as outrageous, I can get a little bit of notoriety. I can, you know, get to do these other things that other people, regular people cannot do. Um, I know it's a decadent veil. And it's, to me, it's just, it's a, it's a waste of time. Like, if you want to do it, definitely, you know, do it for, you know, you, the enjoyment or do it to, you know, you want to further your career. I think that's fine. But if you're just doing it because you just want to be known, I mean, that's, there's too many, what, that Logan Paul's in the world already. <laughs> so let's, let's What's like, that expression that you always say, yeah. Steve, about there are too, everyone's just an embarrassed millionaire or? Uh, no, no, that wasn't me. That was, um, paraphrasing but i think the the phrase goes um everybody's just a temporarily em- embarrassed millionaire or something so i don't know if that was um george orwell or um somebody else but yeah that's just that's just something to think about and i think that's that a lot of people's mentality right but that kind of also plays into so many things of you know i have the car i have the gold chain you, you know even though you probably living in the basement somewhere, but <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just something to think about. It's like, I mean, I'm happy to drive my car and drive, you know, get to point A to B and, and stuff. That's, you know, that's just me. But, you know, being, going back, like my mom taking me to where she grew up at, or, you know, my dad taking me, you know, to places he, you know, he used to hang out at in Alabama um, and seeing like, stuff kind of remains the same it changed but remains the same um and the poverty that's still there like that 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 keeps me grounded and in, in stuff like and to know that some people don't have access to internet some people don't even have a landline in their house still so i mean that's what i try to remember and stuff even when talking to people because i think people forget you know people who work in tech kind of forget that not everybody has caught up and especially as, as pockets in the U S that's like that. I mean, I don't, I can't speak about Canada, but for, for sure in the U S there are pockets where, you know, people are not connected. People still have a tough time. People are still struggling. So that's what I try to keep in mind for sure. And that keeps me humble. So I'll speak for Canada. I think the number for Canada is roughly only 80% of Canadians have internet and internet access in the home. And that's, and, and that's a, that's a really, you know, 
And when you think about it, I mean, that's, that's still a lot of people that's, that, that are not connected. And I see people who still, I hate to say it, still believe in conspiracy theories, still, you know, cling on to certain ideas or certain ideologies about whether it's certain groups of people or, you know, or a past event instead of just you have the power in the palm of your hand and you're not even trying to attempt to see if you can debunk it or see if you can, you know, try to find information that is relevant. Like that's the sad part about it. Flat earth and space is fake. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So my, my funny, my laptop's actually running out of battery. So is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we end it off? Oh, um, can I plug in a personal yeah. promo? Absolutely. Go ahead. <laughs> If you if you are listening and you know a male between 17 and 35, or if you are a male between 17 and 35, you're healthy, please go to blood.ca and register to become a stem cell donor because we are in desperate need of them. It is not a painful process. It's just a mouth swab. You order your kit online at blood.ca and you mail it in. Cool. Alrighty. Anything else? Um, I don't know what else. Uh, I don't have anything else. I will probably just say peace, love, and hair grease. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully to see everybody at um, everybody soon at these networking events. I do miss it. Um, I don't know if I can plug uh, Tech Vancouver. I do miss, you know, that's where we met you at. And I, I, I do miss, you know, that connection to that community in person and stuff. I know like they started something online, but mm -hmm. it's nothing like being in person and actually seeing people. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, the reason I talked to you is because you brought basketball. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, being from Detroit, I'm like, I, I, I still love the bad boys. I still like think Isaiah Thomas got shafted. Oh, good. The 92 dream team. I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to ever root for Jordan, even though he was, yeah, he's one of the greatest players. I will pick Magic Johnson over Jordan. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> All right, this is on record. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am. Yeah, I have. I, I have bad boys for life, and I'm not talking about Will Smith or Martin Lawrence. I'm talking about <laughs> Bill Lambeer, Rick Mahorn, Vinnie Johnson. That's who I'm. Uh, who else? John Sally, all those guys. James Buddha Edwards. <laughs> I can battle <laughs> on. <laughs> I get you, man. I'm hoping Vancouver have, gets back their team, man. Ooh. <laughs> I don't see that happening. No. I feel like I mean, if Seattle, Seattle gets their team, I think Vancouver might get it. But we have the yeah. fan base. I don't think we just have the talent yet. I don't know if we really have the fan base. I mean, at the end, the Grizzlies, oh, my goodness, they, they couldn't give away tickets fast enough. I mean, but but you have money now. Like that's the that's the thing, right? I mean, when you look at it, like all the this money that flood flooded the Vancouver market, right? I think a team. I mean, Stephen, I think Vancouver's always had money. People are just more opulent. Okay. And and they love showing off more now. And culturally, in our society, I think it's it's almost accepted and valued the more you show off and promote what you have and how much you have yeah uh, and i attribute that to social media and you know what i say that but i actually after a 
month-long ban from Instagram. It was self-imposed. I didn't do anything to get kicked off the platform. I just decided that I needed to withdraw. I signed back in. <laughs> because, you, Joe, you're right. We're missing that human contact. Exactly. We, we are. We are. And this is why I like doing podcasts in person, just because you get to kind of analyze who they are and kind of just read the body language. But with everything going on, this is the next best thing. It really is. Cool. Alrighty. Uh, I think that's about it here. First of all, thank you so much uh, for the both of you for joining me on a weekday uh, night here. Okay. No, no and problem. Thank stay you. Stay safe. <laughs> no worries. And stay safe for the both of you. Okay. You too, Joe. You too. All right. Bye for now, guys. Bye. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I hope to hear from you soon again. There are many more episodes to come. Take care and bye for now.